Welcome to 307 Baseball, the show all about America's game in the Cowboys state. Now, here are your hosts, Elon Olaf, Cullen Holt, and Matthew Peterson. Well, Fourth of July weekend is just around the corner. Can you guys believe that as of today, we are now in the second half of 2021, which means also that the American Legion baseball season is really heading into crunch time as we welcome you to another episode of 307 Baseball. I'm Colin Holt. Elon Olaf, we'll start with you. Were there any results from last week that jumped off the score sheet to you or maybe any performances that really stood out to you because it was kind of a fun week we saw a lot of really good games yeah absolutely uh one that definitely jumped out post six going to omaha and uh representing the cowboy state well we'll hear more about that later in the show though i don't want to give too much away yeah we'll talk to ty lane in just a little bit matthew peterson uh, I know you've got the scoreboard in front of you, but uh, were there any games that really kind of caught your eye? Colin, I just can't believe you are burying the lead right now. Fourth of July, sure. That's a great holiday. I love it. Burgers, hot dogs. But how about happy Bobby Vanilla Day? It is. It's Bobby Vanilla Day. I know. July 1st, every year he gets a paycheck from the Mets. And this is, I don't know why, but sports world comes together for Bobby Vanilla Day. So I would be... An awful commentator if I did not wish you a happy Bobby Vanilla Days. He makes a little over a million dollars every single year on July 1st until 2035 from the New York Mets for stretching out a contract that they released him from. You know, that's kind of a, a life dream of mine to be in a position where some big company just pays me every year Literally and I don't have to do anything. Does nothing and gets a million dollar paycheck every year on July 1st. I Bobby Vanilla Day. That has to be like a national holiday once it comes to an end. When 2035, right? It's the yeah. last one. You wake up every July 1st and you kind of forget. Like you don't think about it the night before. Right. But the first thing you see is happy Bobby Vanilla Day. Bobby Vanilla Day. I know. So tough day for the New York Mets front office. I don't think they celebrate it. Uh, no, but it, it Payroll definitely just got to hurt. Yeah. Uh, real quick to add to my comment, another big story in the state of Wyoming, Sheridan, we talked about him a little bit last week. Remember, we said it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to the slow start. They did. They just ended an eight-game winning streak. So Sheridan, back on, uh, back on that short list for state contenders. It just came to an end this Sunday in a 6-4 loss to Beaverton, Oregon at the Billings Goldsmith Tournament. Yeah, and uh, Sheridan, if I remember correctly, they were in your one of your games of the week, right, Matthew? Uh, Sheridan, I'm trying to rack my memory, but I believe so. Yeah, they absolutely were. They you absolutely been, were. You've been on fire lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but anyways, Matthew, uh, results from American Legion from last week. Obviously, there had to be some games. You were actually up in Missoula, Montana with the Evanston Outlaws. You had a uh, blast up there. I am now the unofficial travel ambassador for Missoula. Just a beautiful city. If you're ever looking for somewhere to go... For a trip, check out Missoula, Montana. I had a great time. But like you said, checking out some games that happened. Uh, well, now it's not. Even, it's it's more than just weekend games, right? We are full baseball. We had good games this week. Good right. games this week. Mm. We got a big game tonight. Really excited, especially at that single A level. But yeah, you rewind your calendars a little bit. How about the Cheyenne Post Sixers? Uh, going over to Omaha yeah. and knocking off some teams out in Nebraska at the peak of the College World Series, representing the Cowboy State to the finest. And here's a little bit of a teaser for you. We've got a great interview coming up with someone from that coaching staff out in Nebraska. 
Uh, and they were looking at someone from Wyoming, and I think we know who now. So, yeah, uh, other big games going on. Casper Drillers and Douglas, they split two conference games. And Lovell and Powell also split two conference games. So a lot of single-A conference matchups, but the double-A ones, wow. What a tough stretch for Gillette. They dropped two to Cheyenne. That's nothing to be too upset about. They lost the first game 3-1. to one. Next game, not the 9-3. Uh, to three. Uh, But then, not a good rebound. Uh, Cheyenne would turn around and drop two to Laramie. Donuts on the board for both games. The Rangers shutting them out back-to-back games. one nothing and 11 to nothing. So, wow, Gillette really got punched in the face. They'll look to rebound this weekend. Yeah, let's go ahead and go over those conference records real quick. Let's start with that double-A East. Uh, Cheyenne post 6-7-1. They, they're the cream of the crop. They've already clinched a winning uh, po- uh, conference record, so congratulations to them. You've also got... Uh, Laramie coming in at five and three. They're over 500. Sheridan, uh, with that eight game winning streak, part of it, some conference games, they're sitting at three and five. Uh, but Gillette, as you mentioned, are uh, definitely, uh, uh, it's time to see how they respond. I mean, this was a team that was the favorite to win the state tournament this time last year. Uh, they lost in the state championship to post six. Uh, it's time. To, let's see how these young guys respond. They lost a lot of talent, but they've got a lot of young up and coming talent. It's time for them to uh, respond to, as you mentioned, kind of getting punched in the mouth. The mouth. They're sitting at one and seven in the double A East, which by the way, that double A East is just stacked. I mean, a one and seven in double A's could easily be competing, I think, for top two West seed. Yeah, that is uh, a tough start. And well, it's not only a start now, right? We're now that's Bobby Benilla Day, July first. So we are three weeks away from the tournament. You're sitting at one and seven, and that means the most conference games you have left is three more. Yeah. But Four everybody more. makes the tournament. Yep, everyone hot at the, the right time. Yep. Yeah, not exactly. a bad, especially in baseball. You don't want to be. No, no team wants to be hot in April or May. No. You know, look at the Nationals, right? Don't want to cool off too early. They don't exactly. You want to be hot at the end. So why not go through these Uh, growing pains now in conference? I mean, putting the math out there, let's. uh, I think Cheyenne post six, we're probably two or three, two or three weeks or or two or three weeks away from the tournament. So we're probably about a week, week, two weeks away from post six clinching number one in the East. Well, what's their record right now? Who's second? They're sitting at seven and one, and the second place is three and five. So there you are. I think you can actually they, give they, it to them. They've got it. They've it. got yeah. it. Yeah. Three plus. Yeah. I'm looking at the two different scoreboards here. They but only yeah. get three more wins at three and five. Yeah, and that only or four more wins. You're right. And there's four more games left for post six. Yep. So I, I think you can give that number one seed to post six. Uh, Gillette trying to avoid that number four. Uh, it's going to come down to, I think, the final few games between specifically Gillette and Sheridan. In the West? In the West. Uh, so it's Casper on top after taking two conference games from Jackson on the road. They're 4-0. and Evanston sits second after sweeping their first conference double header on the road against Rock Springs at 2-0. and And then you've got uh, Jackson at 0-2 and Rock Springs at 0-4. Good moving, times. Moving on to the single A, Casper. Uh, let's start with that uh, single-A Northeast. Casper at 6-2, and two, Riverton at 2-4, and four, and the Douglas Cats at 2-4 and four as well. So a nice uh, tie there at the bottom. But Casper proven, up to, proven to be the top of the Northwest, or Northeast, excuse me. In the Southeast, you have Wheatland at 5-1, the Cheyenne Hawks at 504-4, and four, 
and Torrington sitting at one and five. In the Northwest, the Cody Cubs at four and zero. Oh, Pal Pioneers uh, split their first conference doubleheader. They're sitting at one and one, and in third place, Lovell at one and five. In the Southwest, Green River undefeated, eight and zero oh in conference. We after knew taking, they were good. Yeah, it's not coming. We did, and then Rollins Generals sitting at three and five, and the Buffalo Bills at one and seven. Again, good times. I mean, I love that we're kind of at that point where we can start to see the playoff picture take shape. Can you pass me those standings? Let's do this. Uh, if the season were to end today, uh, if I can read your handwriting too, which is the other uh, caveat <laughs> here. here. No, I think we're good. I think I got it. Uh, if the season were to end today, let's just take a look at what would the matchups be for the first round for the AA tournament, okay? Uh, so West 1 versus East 4, Casper versus Gillette, okay? Yeah. That's a good matchup. Wow. 1v4, and that's already that, that is a that's nightmare. That would be amazing. a good matchup. Casper would hate that. I, I wouldn't be happy if I was Casper. Yeah. Uh, although, that being said, there's not really anyone in the East that you'd like no, to play. No, I don't think they'd want to face Casper. No, or, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So then we got 2v3. So that would be Evanston versus Sheridan, uh, West versus East. So then it would be, it'd be uh, Laramie versus Jackson and uh, Rock Springs versus Cheyenne Post 6. Okay, okay, but still, that, that's that, interesting to watch. Who's going to be the four? Because, I mean, for Evanston and Casper, uh, who look like they're going to be the one and the two. Mm -hmm. Well, you got, you got Jackson still in there, but you're right. But they're going to, you know, whoever's the two may be sitting back going, well, happy I'm not the one if that's the draw, you know? If I got to face Gillette in the first round, mm. probably prefer to be two just based on what we know Gillette and, you know, is capable but of. But if you're going to look at bracketology, the other thing is, is, you want to be one because then you don't have to play post six on day two. So, yeah. Yeah. and that's what happened to Evanston last year when they were number one in the West. So they had to play post six on day two. So it's one of those things where I think it's a, for it's, these Western teams, it's, it, it, it's going to be tough either way because this East is just loaded. Yeah. It's pick your poison, but I would think you'd want to put yourself in a position to win day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because that, 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 that's, that, let's start there, and then yeah. let's work. You know, I get you don't want to face post six day two, but mm -hmm. you don't want to get ahead of yourself and go. Well, let's you know get it one and then win and then you know all that. Well, stuff. let's say Gillette wins out. They could still be the number four, but they would have massive momentum, and it would not be playing a number four. I'm with Matthew. If you're going to drop into the loser's side of the bracket, I'd much rather do it on day two mm -hmm. than start out there and have to win one, two, three, you know, three to four be elimination in that high, games. Like high-pressure yeah. situation. Right. The rest of the I'd way. much rather be in the situation where I'm playing in a, in a championship semifinal, and then I go to the loser's bracket if that's what ends up, ha what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Uh, by the way, talking about the state tournament, um, we're going to get Tylan on the phone in just a few moments. Uh, but uh, we're going to have every game live on mylocalradio.com from Laramie. Cowboy Field will be the center of the Cowboy State Prep Baseball universe, and every game will be live for you to watch on mylocalradio.com. So excited. And then on top of that, uh, we'll have a recap show every night. Uh, the details still being worked out should air around uh, 10 p.m. every evening. Uh, and then the next morning as well on our live games on mylocalradio.com. So here's, here's what you need to do. Find mylocalradio.com and bookmark it because you're going to live there the entire last week 
of July. Yeah, we've got you know four games a day in the first two days, and then three games, two games, and the championship day, which could be two games. So this is just going to be wall-to-wall baseball coverage on mylocalradio.com. So make sure uh, that you keep it right there. Unless you guys have anything else to add about results over the last few days, uh, we should talk to Ty Lane uh, because his post-six team, as always, uh, playing up to snuff. Joining us now on 307 Baseball, we have the coach of the – Post six Sixers, as well as good friend of the show, Ty Lane. Coach Lane, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Hey, thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it. Coach, you guys just kind of came back from the mecca of baseball right now, Omaha, Nebraska. Real quick, talk to us about what your guys' experience was like playing in Omaha during the big tournament. Man, it was awesome. Uh, really fun tournament uh, for, for us personally we got to play some really good baseball and and against some quality opponents and um you know we actually probably spent more time at the world series uh this year than we have uh in any time that i've been i think most of our kids were at three different games and um, a lot of us were at the the mississippi state texas game where mississippi state clinched into the the college final there and um you know we we knew we would be down there so we've been uh watching the games on the bus all the bus trips all the regional games super regional games and kind of getting everyone dialed in and they were pretty excited to be there and get out and go watch some of that and it was it was fun fun for our group and a really good week Coach, when uh, you guys go out and experience these games, take these awesome games in, are you telling your kids, hey, if you're a catcher, you should be watching how the catchers are performing here? Um, you know, if you're if you're playing third base, you should watch the third baseman. Uh, is that kind of how you're having your guys approach it, or are you just kind of letting them uh, enjoy the, the festivities? You know, a, a little bit of both. You know, we're, we're mostly enjoying the game and, and watching these guys play, but um, you know, as we're sitting there with guys, if you if you see something, if you pick up on anything, um, you know, you can relay that message to some of our guys. Uh, we were at the Virginia, um, I think it was Virginia and Texas game uh, where Virginia got eliminated. And the shortstop play in that game was just unbelievable. It was highest level shortstop play that I've seen. And um, so we were we were talking about that with our infielders and some different things that they were doing. And um, it was just a fun experience to be out there for sure. Coach, uh, being in the middle of the the college baseball universe in such a huge week, there were coaches. I'm sure there were some scouts there at your guys' games as well. Could you talk to us a little bit about uh, how the Sixers fared in Omaha? Yeah, it was it was a fun week for us. There was definitely a lot of college guys there. Um, you know, we had the Nebraska head coach and the pitching coach there. Will Bolt was out there um, watching one of our arms throw. So that was really cool. Uh, we got to play some some high level games. We played uh, three different teams that were in the Legion National Championship game from 2017, 18 and 19. So um, that was uh, a, a really good measuring stick for our group. Um, we were able to split with the Las Vegas Aces, who were in the title game in 2018, and um, and then we got beat by Creighton Prep four to three. Had a three nothing lead late in that game and let it get away from us there. But uh, they're a really good club in the national title in 2017, and and then we finished it off the last day against Fargo, North Dakota, who was 
in the national title in 2019 and and we were able to get out of there with a 5-2 victory to to take a winning record out of that tournament and so we were very happy with that i think our our guys are are confident that we can compete and play with anybody in the country and um you know and and in our state of wyoming i think there's a lot of teams that could compete well in that tournament and and i think baseball is uh being played at a very high level here in our state Let's go ahead and talk about baseball in the Cowboy State. You guys currently sit with a 7-1 conference record. Uh, I believe only four more conference games await you guys in the season that has kind of flown by. Uh, the one loss coming to Laramie. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about what you guys are experiencing in the AA East at this point in time. Yeah, the Double A East is tough, man. It's it's as tough as as I've ever seen. Uh, everybody in that that conference can play and has really good pitchers that you have to try to compete against, and and they all play clean defense and throw strikes and and don't give away uh, anything for free. So you have to go earn it. And um, I've been very impressed with with all three teams that that we've played over there: Sheridan, Gillette, and Laramie, and. Um, it's going to be a tough, a tough fight all the way to the end for, for everybody. So it, it should be fun. We're excited to see how it plays out. Coach, what's the overarching message to your team right now? Because it, it feels as though we've kind of transitioned from uh, that period of the season where you're just trying to strictly improve every game uh, to a part of the season where you need to go out and get wins in these games. So what's your message to the team right now? Well, for us, we've, we've really, uh, um, challenged our team over the month of June, uh, just in, in a lot of different ways with, with the amount that we've traveled and the, the competition that we've had to play. And I, I mean, our, our guys have really only been home a handful of days in the month of June. And so, uh, we got back a couple of days ago and, and over this next month of July, we're, we're at home a lot. And, and for us, the thing that we're going to be focused on is trying to clean up some of the little things. And, and it'll be nice to be at home where we have our indoor facility. We have uh, the ability to practice and be outside. And, and we can go to work at some of those little things to make our team better over the next month. And, and then, like you said, try to go out and compete well at a high level and, and keep improving and, and see if we can peak here at the right time. Coach, you mentioned that the East is going to be an absolute dogfight. The West also, no slouches either. It's going to be a great state tournament at the end of July in Laramie. And I've kind of got an apples to oranges question for you. What is going to be more important when it comes to that state tournament, offense or defense? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, Laramie's park is big. It plays, it, it plays a lot like a Coors Field type park with how much space there is in the outfield. So um, you're going to have to really play well out in the outfield defensively but but the big thing will be pitching it and, and trying to keep the ball on the ground and you know mix in your your share of strikeouts on the mound and um, I think it, the team that can do that that can try to that can kind of hold some of these these uh, scores down a little bit is going to have a really good chance and then like you said the, the teams that really get going offensively and, and use the whole field and play gap to gap are going to um, be able to put up a lot of runs. So those are the two things we're thinking about as, as we get ready here. 
Coach, final question. As you mentioned, you guys have only been home for a handful of days in the month of June. Now over 4th of July weekend, you're going to host the Cheyenne Firecracker Tournament. Some top flight teams going to be in the capital city to take on the Sixers. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that event and how excited your boys are to host that. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. I think this tournament, uh, we've been kind of building it over the last few years, and I think it's as it's as high level of tournament as you could find anywhere. And so we're excited to, to be hosting it and be involved in it. Um, you know, we're going to open up on Thursday with the Greeley Gojos in the morning, and then we'll come back for that night game and, and we'll play the Idaho Falls Bandits. And, you know, the last time there was a, a Legion World Series, Idaho Falls went home with the national championship. So to be able to play that those guys on our yard, um, that should be a really fun game for us. And um, we're excited to have them, and and there's ten other really good teams that are coming as well. With with Laramie being there, another Wyoming team, and Casper coming in, uh, it's going to be fun, man. And I'm I'm excited to to get out there and and see how it goes. That sounds like the matchup that everyone in the state's going to be watching: reigning national champions versus a team that has national championship aspirations. That is Coach Ty Lane, manager of the Cheyenne Post Six Sixers. Coach, thank you so much for coming on again to the show. Anything else before we call this one an interview? Yeah, just just want to say how much we appreciate everything you guys are doing, man. And it's been fun to follow your podcast. And I know a lot of our guys uh, set the reminder on the phone for when that thing drops. So I uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah, Coach Lane, not only is he always a good interview, uh, but a good guy, and he's got a good team as well. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with post six because it's baseball. No one's invincible. So as the season starts to continue, and especially as we get into tournament time, it'll be very interesting to see uh, who, if anyone, can touch the Sixers as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's... You know, just talking with him and just getting to know him throughout the year, it, it, it you're supposed to, like, root against the favorite, I guess, being, like, unless you are a diehard, like, part of that, that group. Yeah. But he is so hard not to root for. Right? Uh -huh. And all the kids on that team are, are class acts. We've talked to a few of them. And uh, Post 6, definitely a, a, a team that it's easy to root for and you wish them nothing but the best, especially in this tournament this weekend where they're taking on the, the reigning national champions, mm -hmm. Idaho Falls. So that's going to be a huge, huge matchup because, you know, Coach Lane has got uh, after beating teams that were in national championships in uh, in Omaha, as he mentioned in the interview, uh, they've now got national championship aspirations, not just Wyoming. Talking about Omaha, the next interview we got queued up for you guys is with the assistant coach from the Nebraska Cornhuskers baseball program. That's Lance Harvell. Uh, and we talked a little bit about Omaha. We did that interview last week, uh, so it wasn't done today or yesterday. So it's a little bit dated, but most of everything's still relevant. But the only thing that's a little dated is the College World Series came to an end yesterday. Mississippi State, I mean, first off, that was the first time that athletic department across any sport has won a national championship. Did you guys know that? Mississippi State at, at every level. Team level? Like a team national championship or any national championship at all? Good question. I believe any at all. For sure team. I thought they won a girls basketball. No, they lost, they lost that. On oh, a that's buzzer right. beater yeah. to Notre Dame, I think. Yeah. Um, only two Power 5 schools remaining. Do you guys Have you guys not seen this before? Do you know the, the two? I feel like I read something about it, but I, I couldn't remember Everyone, it. Everyone, like, like the cars are split listening right now. Half are yelling at their... Uh, dashboard and half don't know it. 
Yeah, there are now two schools that have never won a national championship at any level. It's a power sport. five school. Power five school. Uh, what about Wake Forest? No, I don't know what they've won, but they've won something. They've won something. Maybe okay. golf. I think they're pretty good golf. golf. Okay. Oh, interesting. Are they? That, hmm. I'll give you a, one's a one's a Big Twelve school. One's an ACC school. Ooh. They're not bad at athletics, but they just just can't get to the finish line. It's hard to win a national, but they just never have done it at any level. Any sport, Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's one. Yes, Virginia Tech. Really, right. and also fun fact about them: they have like the longest bowl streak in college football history. I think. Huh. They went to a yeah. They went to a bowl game in football. Maybe I'm wrong, but they went like 35 years in a row or wow. something insane. Just consistency. Uh, and the other one is Kansas State. Oh, okay. But it was fun to see. I was watching the game yesterday. Everyone was rooting against Vandy. <laughs> I wonder why. Vandy fans maybe were even like, if we lose, oh well. You know, probably not. But, yeah, they got to walk into the national championship against NC State. Uh, and I'm not going to go on a rant about that, but I did see a great point about NC State. Do you know that NC State players, obviously, the story, you know, getting eliminated, that's old news. But they could have bought tickets and gone to see the College World Series. What? Because why not? They allowed fans in. So these players, this whole team could have gone to watch a game that they should have been playing in. Oh, that's just... They weren't banned from going to the games. Anyone could go buy a ticket. Vaccinated or unvaccinated. So I thought that was very interesting. Good point made. Uh, but yeah, so everyone was rooting against Vandy. It made me think, what, is, what are some other championships that everyone unanimously as a country has been rooting against a team? Did they have to win the championship, or did it have to be just a championship game? Because championship obviously, game. championship game, Patriots versus Giants in OA. Yeah, that's got to be a big one because mm. you know Spygate and the Patriots were undefeated. Everybody wanted the underdog to win in that. Right, one. that's a great one. Keeping it in baseball, 2001 World Series, New York Yankees versus the Arizona Diamondbacks, right after 9/11. You the, think everyone wanted the Diamondbacks I'll, to lose? No, yeah, a lot okay, of people wanted like, the Diamondbacks to yeah. lose because there's like, oh, New Perfect York story. New York, right, yeah, it's like this. the it's yeah, it's a storybook ending, and then my Diamondbacks just kind of played the villain there. Yeah, that's a tough time to win a World Series. Yeah, that was it was fun, but at the same time, like in retrospect, it uh, you do kind of feel like. And I'm a big believer in, in like in sports when a natural disaster or something comes, you do, like take the Saints for example. Yeah. Like, it just feels like something's coming for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost too picture perfect. If the Houston Astros make the World Series this year. (laughs) Yeah, so I was going to say, the whole, anytime anyone's playing the Astros last year, that was fun. Um, But yeah, the Astros, and they're good. They're very good. I mean, that's the thing. (laughs) They have a lot of all-stars probably coming in. Remember when the whole thing happened and Clevenger came out with that video where he said, what makes him most upset is they could have done it without that whole deal. They could have won that world championship without the yeah. whole deal because they, they are just raking. And I think we're starting to see proof of that. I mean, we're getting off of the right, the right subject. Right. But if the Astros make the World Series or the playoffs this year at all, uh-huh. oh, man. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain. I, I can't think of a championship game, so I'm breaking my own rule. But two years ago... NCAA basketball tournament, Zion and Duke, mm-hmm. when they were playing UCF in like mm-hmm. the second round, and UCF was one tipping away, mm-hmm. everyone fell in love with Taco Fall that game because yep. he was this huge guy, and they were so close to beating Zion and Duke. So I think every, that, that, that's not, I broke my own rule, Colin. No championship game, but I just remember everyone was like, yeah, this, I think they were at 8 seed two or mm-hmm. 9 seed UCF. 
took Duke Town to the wire. What so if, that was one that I was like, everyone's going against Duke. What here. about last year's NBA Finals? Last year's With NBA the Finals. Lakers and the Heat. Like I feel I, like I, there's no one a, cared about a lot that of one. that was the bubble. It doesn't count. I know, but that there's also a lot of like LeBron hate that I feel like came yeah came to the surface that's, there. For that's sure. an asterisk anyway. Uh, another one, uh, okay, another NBA Finals. I feel like everyone was rooting against them. Was that um the, it was two years ago Raptors Warriors because people were just so sick of the Warriors by that yeah. time. Yeah, you know I was actually pulling for the Warriors though. Yeah, I, I have respect for dynasties. Okay, and when you do it right, I like to see you go out in a good way. So, but good for Canada. They got their first. That was the first time Canada as a country won a championship since, since I think the Canadians in 1993. Wow. Because the Blue Jays went back to back in like 92 and 93. Yeah. But the Canadians, that, that calendar comes you know quicker for hockey than baseball. What are some other baseball ones that feel like? Yeah, we'll do one more. Then we're going to Lance Harvell because we're boring yeah. everyone, I think, maybe. Uh, other baseball ones that everyone has been rooting for or against the Cubs. Yeah, you know, everyone was probably rooting for – not so much rooting against the Indians, but for the Cubs for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think if you had no horse in the race, probably yeah, a little bit. I definitely felt would that think way. the Cubs may pull some. All right, so we get into the Lance Harvell interview, the assistant coach for Nebraska. We definitely should. Joining the podcast now, it is the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator for the Nebraska Huskers, Lance Harvell. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's really great to be talking with someone who's pretty close to the center of baseball right now uh, in terms of what's going on in Omaha. You guys are just down the road. But let's talk about the Huskers season briefly here. You guys came up just short of reaching that ultimate goal of going to Omaha and just your second year working with Nebraska. So what was that like for you? Yeah, we had a good group. Um, you know, I, I've had this conversation with several people, and I think – um, kind of recapping the season and, and it was a pretty special season just from the standpoint of nobody really gave us a shot, you know, even, even before the season, if you looked at, at the preseason polls or, um, you know, everybody kind of counted us out. Nobody, nobody thought we were really going to make a whole lot of noise or, or do too much. And so um, all except for the people who were kind of in our circle, you know, on this team that were uh, showing up every day and seeing, uh, what we had on this team and seeing the kind of work we were putting in. And so um, where it, it might have been a surprise to some people how far we made it, uh, it wasn't a surprise to, you know, the 45 people we had uh, on our on our team. And, uh, and and it was a fun group. You know, I've told people, everybody kind of wants to know what uh, how, how it happened or what you did, what made it work, whatever. And um, all credit to the players because it's it's a first of all, as, as a coach, we, we didn't throw a single pitch. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a single hit or, or lay down a single bunt. Um, so they, they did all the work. And especially in our situation, like you said, being in year two um, and year one was a shortened year with COVID and all that. So when, when you're taking over for a coaching staff, um, you know, and kind of for, for lack of a better phrase, kind of inheriting, um, another coaching staff's team and players, um, the buy-in factor, you know, becomes critical uh, with, with just everybody's got different ways of doing things. And, um, and so for the, uh, the players to buy into what we were doing and some of the changes we were making and, and with the culture and, and even on just the baseball side of it too, um, all credit to them because they did. Like we, we don't have the success that we had this year 
uh, without them, you know, buying in 100% and just jumping in and saying, whatever you want us to do and need us to do, uh, we're going to do it. Now, Coach, uh, your history goes back to Texas, and we'll talk about that later because a lot of interesting things that you did in the Lone Star State. But being new to the Nebraska area and kind of the Great Plains and into the Rocky Mountains, as a recruiting coordinator, have you checked out the baseball talent in Wyoming? What do you know about it? What have you kind of heard as you've walked into this new area of recruiting in terms of the Cowboy State and the ball players they have to offer? Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's actually uh, a guy we're going to see later this week. Uh, and, and as I kind of get up here and got into a new region of recruiting, um, trying to trying to learn and kind of get the, the lay of the land. Um, and what I found, I think a lot of people in the, you know, in the south, um, you know, where there's just players seemingly everywhere. I mean, I came from a school where we had an entire roster, everybody on our roster um, was within 150 miles of our campus, you know, and, and that was a team that, you know, was winning conference championships every year and going to regionals, going to a super regional. Um, and, and we could literally just roll out of bed and, and field a team. You know, we used to kind of joke, we would, we would get out to, you know, I 45 down there in Texas and just say, well, well, you know, when you head out on the road recruiting, it's like, well, do you want to go left to Houston or do you want to go right and go to Dallas? And it's just, okay, it's going to be an hour this way or two and a half hours this way. We're going to go find some players. It doesn't matter which way we go. Um, and that's a little bit different up here, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people think that there's probably like you kind of take a step back from the talent or the level of baseball that you play. And I have not really found that to be the case. I think the biggest difference um, you know, in the Midwest and, and kind of beyond, um, is there's, there's players that are just as good. Um, and there's a lot of them. They're just not as centrally located maybe as they are in, you know, in the state of Texas or just down South, you know, wherever it may be. So, um, they're just kind of spread out. So you got to go find them. And, uh, and that's, that's the part of recruiting that, that I enjoy is kind of the, the hunt and the chase, you know, going and finding those guys, um, you know, outworking um, people to go find those types of guys. And um, while I'm not as maybe familiar with the state of Wyoming, there's there's a couple guys on our board, um, you know, from uh, from there. And, and one guy in particular that uh, that we've seen and that we're going to go see again uh, later this week, um, you know, with NCAA rules the way that they are. I can't name that person by name. Uh, but, yeah, definitely cool on the on the recruiting board, the big the big board in my office uh it's cool to have a couple names up there from uh from wyoming i had to double check and make sure i had the uh the state abbreviation right when i was putting them up there <laughs> <laughs> now coach you can't name the player but can you tell us what his name rhymes with or something like that <laughs> <laughs> is that also well, against could. the ncaa rules I could, but then uh but then i would get a uh, something that rhymes with NCAA violation. There it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know if I want to risk it. <laughs> Elon, yeah. Yeah, Coach, uh, I kind of have a two-pronged question for you. Uh, number one, what, when you go and recruit and go check out these potential recruits, what are you looking for? And number two, when you're at a game to see a recruit, how can another recruit also kind of catch your eye and get on your board? Yeah, well, I'll answer the, the second one because uh, that happens all the time. You know, you go to see one particular guy, maybe, and, and somebody else catches your eye. Um, that happens all the time. There's there's a lot of really cool recruiting stories out there like that. Um, 
that I've, you know, personally had or that, and, and others that I've, that I've heard about. Um, but now for the first part to answer your, the first part of the question, um, that's a, that's a really good question because it's different for everybody. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times it's not, at least for us, it's not always just about the guy with the most talent, you know, or the, the best player on the field. It's got to be the right player for us. And so what we do, we, we recruit um, inside a very definitive system. And so that that system has, you know, you have to start factoring in our culture. Like you've got to be a kid that is is a high energy player that's self-motivated, um, you know, take care of your business off the field. Like we just guys that are, that are high maintenance that you always have to worry about off the field. They don't end up making it here because what we do here at Nebraska, there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of discipline that goes into it. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And so guys that just want to go somewhere and let their ability carry them, um, those, those aren't necessarily our kind of guys, but if it's guys that have talent that also like to work hard and want to be pushed, Okay, now that that's you know that's step one. Okay, if you can play and you've got ability and you like to you like to work hard, now now we can go you know a step further. Um, those those are the kind of guys that we like to recruit, and those are the kind of guys you can really tell watching them play. It stands out. Guys that play with energy, guys that have life in their body, because those guys are usually um, they're usually really good players. Um, they're usually really good teammates as well. It just, it's funny how a lot of these things just, they always go, seem to go hand in hand with that kind of stuff. Guys that, guys that have low energy or bad body language, that kind of stuff. There's a reason for that. Usually those are the kind of, kind of guys that maybe go internal when things aren't going right. And, and maybe they're not the best teammates, you know, because they're just worried about themselves. A lot of this stuff you can see just from sitting in the stands and watching it watching a game and a lot of it are things that you see outside or away from the actual action of the game you know you watch a kid in the dugout you watch how he gets on and off the field you watch him play catch before a game um you know you watch him when his teammates do something well is he you know coming out of the dugout congratulate it's things like that it's it's a ton of little things like that that you just kind of you key on and you pick up on that you just kind of watch um and the one thing i think you know, you hear it all the time, but but what kids really need to understand, and, and parents too need to understand, um, when when we're at a game, I mean, it is you evaluate everything and you soak it all up, and, it, and it's all a body of work that then goes into, are we going to recruit this kid or not? So um, there, there's a lot outside of just the the talent standpoint. But now, from the baseball standpoint, um, I'll just speak from from like a the offensive side of things. Um, from the hitting side, the system that we work inside of and, and it kind of the lens that we are looking through when we go to watch a player, um, we don't do anything cookie cutter here. So we don't, we don't try to make everybody um, fit into a mold and make everybody the same kind of hitter. Okay. So what we want to do is we, we understand everybody's different. Everybody's got different skills and abilities, different personalities, all of that. Um, and we want to foster those things. Like we want to bring those out because the best teams are the ones that have all those different, you know, all those different pieces. Um, 
and that are able to work together. And so uh, what we do is we, we've kind of categorized those things and broken it down based on your skill set. And we recruit to those skill sets. And so we have four different categories that we put our hitters in. Um, you're either a runner, a hitter, a bomber, a ball player. And all of those things, it's kind of a sliding scale. Um, you know, they're, they're essentially all predicated on strength and speed and, and kind of what your game is. So, um, you know, Ozzie Smith has, has a different game, you know, than – uh, you know, Alex Rodriguez, you know, both played shortstop, whatever coming up, but one was a much different player than the other. Right. So, um, that's what we, when we go out to see a game, um, you know, we can look at our roster and instead of just saying, all right, we need a shortstop for this class. We can say, well, we need a shortstop, but do we need, do we need a guy that's going to be in the three hole as a run producer for us? Or do we just need it? Do we already have maybe that guy on our team and we just need a shortstop that can be everyday guy locked down the left side of the infield and, you know, just be like a skill guy, teach him to bunt, teach him to hit and run. He can be, you know, maybe a little lighter with the bat, but he's a plus defender and we're, you know, any ball that's hit his direction, he's going to be out, you know, so it's, it's a little bit different. And, and we, we stick, you know, to that, that system and that plan. And, and so it's, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, well, we need a shortstop. Let's go find the best shortstop. This is the best shortstop we saw. Let's go sign him. It's it's way more of a we need a shortstop that can run and, you know, has has the ability to possibly move over to third or, you know, something like that. So it's much more definitive than probably what people know or realize. Uh, and, it, and it has um, maybe less to do with talent, as crazy as that sounds, Um because that's that's like the easy thing to see right when you go recruit and you're watching watching a game or watching kids play you can see the talent but what what we're looking for is again we're looking for the right pieces to the puzzle you know so if if we bring in you know a guy even though he might be good if if you know it doesn't fit you know then it's not going to work out for him or for us so the, the the struggle and the work that we need to put in uh then comes into okay now we've we've really got to filter out who's who's the guy that we need that doesn't just fit the position or whatever but who's who's the guy that that we really need to fit the role on our team coach kind of going back to what you said at the beginning of the answer where it, it really is a lot of intangibles such as body language and and what kind of teammate they are they are do you have any stories or examples where something so small happened to the and the crowd, the rest of the crowd barely noticed it, but it was the thing that ultimately made the difference to you? Um, yeah, we had a we had a kid that I recruited uh, at Sam Houston State who was a junior college uh, infielder. He was a shortstop um, at a pretty good junior college, and we needed you know we needed an infielder, and um, and this kid. I didn't even I didn't even set out to go and, and see him. I was just at a game, kind of noticed him. Whatever I was, I think I was actually going to see somebody on the team that were playing, and um, I saw this kid. He had a he had a good game, you know, played a good game, and um, ended up seeing him a couple more times throughout the fall. You know, junior college recruiting, you know, is pretty heavy um, in in the fall semester. So, um, 
And I just, I ended up like he didn't necessarily do anything just off the charts. He didn't have the best arm. He might not have even been the best shortstop. And any game that I saw him play, the other shortstop, I, I would put money on right now. The other shortstop was probably better. But every time I came away and I was just like, man, that guy was just always in the mix. He always did something. He made a play to help his team win. He just, he was always doing something he was the first one out of the dugout given high five. i mean he was just high energy um and i just i found myself um you know kind of circling his name every time and and just i, I kind of i just kind of fell in love with him you know over seeing him play um you know probably five or six times whereas if i would have just seen him once or twice he would have never stood out you know um so we ended up recruiting him getting him for practically nothing when nobody else recruited this kid and I mean, if you went back to high school and looked up, you know, his perfect game page or PBR page or whatever, I mean, there was no tools at all. He couldn't run. He didn't hit well, <laughs> throw well, nothing, but he was a hard worker. And, I, and I'm sitting there going, okay, this kid now in junior college in his second year in junior college, he's a different player than what he was on this perfect game video that I'm seeing that was three years before. So there must be something there that he got himself to this point. So he must be a hard worker. You know, you kind of put two and two together and connect the dots on this thing. So we end up recruiting him and getting him. And, and that kid was a part um, of, of two conference championship teams and a super regional team that we went on. Um, he was absolutely, I mean, just an integral part in, and we, we had to go uh, play Texas tech um, in Lubbock in the regional. And, and we had to beat them in Arizona and this kid, by the time we left town, I mean, people were wanting to run him out on a rail. He was persona non grata in Lubbock, Texas, because of the way he played. I mean, he was just kind of an in-your-face, kind of a dirtbag type player. And one of those that, you know, you love to have on your team, but you hate if he's on the other team, like one of those type guys. But he helped you win, always. That was his, his sole foe. He didn't care how it looked, if it, you know, pretty or not. He didn't care or whatever it took. He was going to do something to help your team win, and he did. And and you know we we had a, a two great years um, with him. He was you know again just kind of a guy that you could move from shortstop to third base, whatever. But never a prospect, never nothing um, that that anybody would write home about. Um, but he made us go. You know on on what it was. It ended up being the best team in school history, um, and he was a huge part of that. You know we stuck him in the nine hole, and. And he became a master. This one, uh, the only thing I remember about him offensively, he became a master at um, doing a like a fake bunt for a hit and then turning into the pitch and getting hit by it. <laughs> I think he set I think he set a single season record for hit by pitches. I mean, and just and he worked on it. Like he would work on that at practice. He's like, hey, set up the machine, and I'm gonna work on this. And he did it. Like he perfected. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, don't, you know, don't work on actually bunning or getting it down. God forbid you, you know, actually work on bunning for a hit. But he's like, no, I'll, I'll have more success doing this because I'm not very fast. I'm like, all right. And he did it, you know, but I mean, like just whatever it took to win. And, and that's that's one of those, you know, never, never set out to even go see that kid or recruit him. I bet nine times out of ten I would have just overlooked that guy. But it, it just so happened to work out that he, he caught my eye doing something. He was always you know, the dirtiest guy on the, on the field after the game. And I was like, that, that guy, it plays, man, that plays. 
hey, whatever gets you on base. Uh, Coach, talking about your time um, at Sam Houston State, you were there for a couple of years, five seasons, I think I read. And mm-hmm. in 2016, I'm reading that you established yourself as a top recruiting coordinator in the entire Southland Conference. So kind of give me a peek behind the curtain here in terms of what makes someone the top recruiter. We see this all the time, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball. You know, is it just a personality in yourself, uh, a charisma that makes you uh, more attractive to players, or is it just something about your ability to talk to parents? I mean, is mom the most important person to recruit, or is it really boiling down to showing them a great weekend when they come to visit and making sure they have a lot of fun? What are all the factors that go into that? Yeah, if I can just take a page out of Ricky Bobby's book here. Um, look, I'm just the best there is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, I, who knows? That that stuff is pretty arbitrary. Like, who who votes on that? Who's who's really cross-checking that? What what does it mean to be the best recruiter? What Like, whatever. Usually that that means, you know, you probably just had a good – a good season. And so if you, if you end up having good players, it's, it's funny how good players, um, you know, make good coaches, like they make us look good every day. So, um, who, who knows on that? Uh, but, um, you know, I think just in, in recruiting, um, you know, what I, what I do, and I know what we on our, on our staff, you know, here, we're all cut from the same cloth and, and I came up under coach bolt and, and kind of, you know, cut my teeth under him. Um, it's just, it's, it's being honest with people, you know, and, uh, and treating people the right way, you know, and and I treat recruits and their families, uh, the same way I would talking to somebody at the grocery store, you know, just if you're personable and, and you're honest and relatable, like whatever, um, people are drawn to that, I think. And, and I think, like I said, if you get the right kind of kids, you know, they're, they're drawn to a certain kind of coach and a certain kind of program, um, and if you're, you're honest with them and you don't try to sell them a, a bill of goods, you know, and, and kind of whisper sweet nothings in their ear. And, and when you're just basically lying to them, making them a bunch of promises, because uh, we tell every kid, I have this conversation with every kid that comes through that we recruit that sits down in my office or that I talk to on the phone. And I tell them straight up exactly how hard it's going to be. I'm like, dude, if you come here, you need to know this because you got to know what you're getting into. It's going to be hard work. Like we're going to push you. You're not going to. You're not going to have fun all the time. You're not going to like it all the time. You're not going to like me all the time because I'm going to coach you hard, but I'm going to coach you fair, you know, and, and there's a lot of teams that, that I've had in the past that probably in the course of the year at some point or another, maybe didn't like me very much, but you know, at the end of the day, they know I did it because I cared about them. Um, and for more often than not, um, at the end of the season, we were dogpiling and, and getting sized for a ring you know, which that's something they have for the rest of their life, you know, and they're, they're going to tell those stories. They're not going to talk about their batting average and all of that. They're going to talk about, you know, the struggle that they went through, you know, running a six minute mile, uh, in the, in the dark, you know, at 6 AM in the fall, um, you know, something they never thought they could do. That's one of the things we do here in the fall, um, is we, we train our guys to run a six minute mile and it's, it's about a two, two and a half month training program. And when they get here, usually more often than not, none of the players, because I ask them at the at the first team meeting every year, how many guys have ever run a six-minute mile or a sub-six-minute mile? And almost nobody raises their hand. They think it's impossible. And I was like, well, in a couple months, everybody in this room is going to raise their hand. And sure enough, we 
we push them and we get them through it. And they're up, they're up, you know, every Monday morning in the dark running around the stadium, like training to do this. And then we test them later on and they make it. And they're like, we never, I never thought I'd be able to do that. And I was like, well, lesson learned. Right. But so it's just a conversation of, it's just, it's just honest. You know, I mean, it's, it's not going to be the most fun all the time, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be rewarding at the end of it. And you're going to have, you know, um, stories for a lifetime and, and you're going to build, you know, a brotherhood and it's, it's never, you know, guys come in on a visit or, or whatever it is and you take them around. It's never the bells and whistles, you know, I always kind of give them that sort of grain of salt at the beginning. I'm like, look, take all of this stuff in. It's, it's awesome. What we have here is as good as anywhere in the country. Okay. But take it with a grain of salt because you know, the time that you're going to spend here and what you're going to remember, it's not, you know, the, the training table or the stadium or the locker room and, or the, you know, the video game system or the flat screen TVs, like none of that, none, it doesn't mean anything. What you're going to remember is the people, the people make the place. And what you need to know is if me sitting here telling you how hard this is going to be and how hard we're going to push you to get the most out of you. Um, if that's something that, you know, kind of perks you up and that's what you want to sign up for, you need to know that there's going to be, you know, 34 other guys in the locker room that you're going to be surrounded with every day that heard the exact same thing. And all of you signed up for it. That's when you have, you know, a team like we had this year, you know, it's, it, you have those special teams because you have a bunch of like-minded guys um, that are, that, that all signed up to roll their sleeves up and go to work. They like to be pushed and like to push each other. That's, that's when you end up having, you know, those, those championship teams, those special teams that, that make runs that people remember. Coach, I just want to say that I'm going to respectively withdraw my name from your recruiting hat after hearing the six minute mile mark. (laughs) I don't, think I'm going to meet that. So you don't have to come to Wyoming this weekend. I don't think I'm going to make the cut to be a Cornhusker. Um, but this has been awesome. Guys, are we missing any questions we want to go over? No, this has been great. Thank you, Coach. Thank you so much. And yeah, looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing a Wyoming player on your roster next year. I just looked over it. Uh, no Wyoming players there right now, but hopefully we can change that in the near future. Yeah, let's get them here. Anything you guys can do to help us uh, push them push our way uh let's let's get on it okay absolutely coach thank you so much for joining us today all right guys thanks have a good one yep yeah man these college coaches i love that they they understand that the best players in baseball don't always come from california florida or texas uh or even overseas um but uh they can sometimes come from places where you least expect it especially good college players uh, like the state of Wyoming and uh, a lot of these big schools, they understand that. And that's good because we've got a lot of talent here in this state and they deserve to be recognized and they deserve a shot at playing at the next level as well. So uh, always good to hear that these college coaches have got some eyes on uh, some of our 307 players as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that when we have these college coaches on, we ask them questions that, you know, what are you guys looking for? How can someone catch your eye if you're at a game? And that just better enables the players here in Wyoming in order to really know what to do in order to go to the next level and represent their town, their state, and their team.
Yeah, and a big thank you to Coach Harvell for joining us as well on 307 Baseball. Hey, by the way, we're brought to you by uh, Buckle Up for Life Wyoming, the Wyoming Seatbelt Coalition. Um, their mission is to increase seatbelt usage in Wyoming. That's to prevent fatalities and decrease the number of uh, the number and severity of injuries in traffic crashes. So if we all work together to get the seatbelt usage up, uh, we can drive our state, our great state, toward uh, zero traffic deaths, which is the goal. And by the way, if you guys have any feedback for the show, we can be reached via email at podcast at mylocalradio.com. Yep, absolutely. And again, everybody has a reason to buckle up. Uh, what's yours? That's Buckle Up for Life Wyoming. We appreciate all that they do in the Wyoming Seatbelt Coalition as well. Uh, big games this weekend. I know some teams like Cheyenne's hosting a 4th of July weekend tournament. Uh, Evanston's going to one. And, and there will be some conference games this week as well. Uh, as you said, Matthew, there's a big game tonight. I know you have been uh, working the schedules to pick your three games of the week, so let's hear them. Yeah, let's get started with the popcorn game. Definitely the most exciting game of the week. It's happening tonight, Thursday, July 1st. Conference doubleheader between Cody and Powell. This may be the top of the single A. Elon is jumping up like he's on a trampoline right now. So oh, I'm so excited. It's a no-doubter. It's a conference matchup of the two top teams in the single A. That's going to be on the air the somewhere, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be on KPOW and KODI. Yeah, there you K go. KPOW is going to be Hall of Famer Scott Mangold on the right. call. And then uh, KODI, is that, I think that's the other station, right? KODI? Yep. Yeah, that's for Cody. Yeah, that's going to be our good friend uh, Cole Havens. Yep. So there you go. So where's that game going to be played at? Uh, that one is at Powell. So here's what you do. It's a doubleheader. You listen to game one with Cole Havens and then the nightcap with Scott Mangold. There you go. That, the, what what I like to do, if it's like, I'll put just the winning team's broadcaster on. The winning team's. You know, whoever's leading. Because <laughs> I don't want a sad end of the game. You know what I mean? True. I want a little uh, happy, yeah. you know. Cubs win oh, well, or I Powell am, wins. I am definitely going to be. My wife is not going to be happy, but I'm definitely listening to those games tonight. There you go. All right. Uh, here we go. Now it's time for the hot dog game of the week. Those are kind of, that, that's a big game. That's the only big game-ish sort of. Hot dog, though. Uh, Idaho Falls Tigers. Uh, sorry, sorry. Idaho Falls Bandits at Cheyenne Post 6. Oof. So big clash right there. Elon, you talked about Idaho Falls earlier. That one also tonight, Thursday, July 1st. Bandits come, I mean, Bandits yet yeah, coming to Post 6, 7.30 p.m. Uh, you can listen on KRE. Yeah, and they, I think they'll also have a video stream of that as well on Capital City Sports, and I think K-Ray also will have a video stream of that on YouTube. Oh, man, I've got three games i got to figure out how to balance between because national champions come in to take on post six. That's going to be awesome. And finally, this is on Friday, July 2nd. Just a lot of out-of-state matchups, so I'm not going to pretend here and act like I know what Colorado baseball is like. But I pick No, my, pretend, please. I, well, so what I do <laughs> is I, I pick the coolest team name. <laughs> there you go. And today it's going to go to the Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Ooh. Uh, you know, okay, you know? so here's a fun fact for you. <laughs> so when the uh, when they rebranded the, the team in Colorado Springs, yeah, um, from they were the, I think the Sky Sox, uh -huh. and they were choosing names, that was one of the finalists, the Rocky Mountain Oysters. They went with the Vibes, the Rocky Mountain Vibes, which is also cool, but that was one of the finalists for their team name. Do you know what Rocky Mountain Oysters are? Um, yeah. Okay. But I cannot, <laughs> like I said it, and then I started thinking a little, that's a thing. Because all I was doing is I was looking up just the, the name side of it, you know? I was like, Oysters, Hawks, um, North Platte, ew, no. Um, but I was like, Rocky Mountain Oysters. And then he started laughing. I was like, 
that that is that. So <laughs> yeah, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Uh, they're taking on Cheyenne. That's tomorrow or today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening. Friday, July second, and it's a noon game at Pioneer Park. So uh, I beg your pardon. Uh, yeah, at Pioneer Park. Uh, so that's on Friday, July second at noon, and that one is my drum roll, please. Chicken churro sandwich game. Chicken churro sandwich. Chicken tender topped with m- maple syrup on a churro bun. Okay. So, oh is man. this a major league park? It's so, a major okay. league park. Second. I'm going to say. It has no correlation with like churros and Mexico. Really? And nothing? No. Because I was going to say Houston. No, that's what that's, gonna uh, be my that's guess, where I'm going to help no. you. No. Every ballpark has churros, so they're not trying right. to like make a draw yeah, to their I, I neighbors. Feel like it sounds like a, either Houston or, or Texas. It has thing, absolutely. But. If I had to guess, this would be the last team I guessed. Really? <laughs> it wouldn't be towards the top. Chicken churro sandwich. It's the number one food on this person's rankings for ballpark food. Wow. Yeah, that's why I picked it. I got nothing. You got nothing. You want to start a team? Uh. Um, let's go with the Brewers. Blue Jays. Yeah, no, it's the Detroit Tigers. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> Sounds great, honestly. Uh, chicken tender top with Michigan maple syrup on oh. a churro bun. Oh, well, you should have said, said that. No, said that. I, well, that, yeah. So that's, those are my three games of the week. All right, three players of the week from you, Elon. All right, so first let's start with our player to watch. And in the stretch from June 27th to June 29th, there was three games played by this player. I'm going with Ryan Baldwin of the Evanston Outlaws. 571 batting average, three triples, six RBIs for Baldwin. So he's your player to watch uh, for this one. He's got a half rack of ribs. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Six more. He's got a full rack. Uh, Moving on to hot bat. We're going going to stay in the Southwest. We're going to go to the single A, the 8-0 conference leading Green River Knights. Michael Richardson, 402 batting average in 111 plate appearances, 97 at-bats, 38 RBIs, and only 20 strikeouts. So uh, that's your hot bat. To hot pitcher, we're going to go to a team that was hot in the Double A East, just ending their eight-game winning streak. The Sheridan Troopers, Trevor Stowe, forty point two innings pitched. He has ten uh, game appearances, nine starts, with a six or a sorry three point six one ERA, forty three strikeouts to just twenty six walks. There you go. It, it it has been so much fun. Uh, to follow these kids this season to see how they have all grown because the the level of play since day one this year in American Legion Baseball, that's not to say it was poor to start with. Oh, no. Uh, but just to see these teams' improvements over the course of the season, I think has been one of the coolest parts of following baseball this year. You know, those, uh, not to be self promoting, but those broadcasts we're going to have on mylocalradio.com, the state tournament, those are going to, uh, just looking at the potential matchups and just how solid all of the teams are, there's going to be some classics this week uh, that weekend it is going to be some high level baseball for sure uh tournaments this weekend of course you got the firecracker in cheyenne casper laramie cheyenne will be there uh the teton classic in jackson rock springs and jackson will be there buffalo headed out to the bill hughes invite in spearfish south dakota got that out without any trouble i wasn't expecting that um casper going to be at the scotts bluff uh, screen printing wood bat tournament 
Okay. And uh, Wheatland will be I'll be there as well. And then Evanston at that tournament uh, down in the Salt Lake Valley. So lots of good stuff going on this weekend. Make sure you tuned in to the games tonight and the games this weekend. All the broadcasters across the street uh, do a great job of keeping you up to date with your 307 baseball teams. Matthew, I'll start with you. Your parting shots before we wrap this thing up. Um, I've never had Rocky Mountain oysters, and I definitely don't want to try them. I agree. Yep. <laughs> uh, I have got to figure out a way to keep an eye on uh, two games simultaneously. I'm going to definitely that conference doubleheader between Pal and Cody, and I want to see how uh, post six fares against the reigning American Legion national champions. You know what's going to be interesting? is uh, how people are going to set things up to watch both the state tournament and the Olympics at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You're going to have to have multiple We're, screens for that. So if you don't already, make sure you go out to Best Buy or whatever and get, get your second screen so you can watch <laughs> uh, the state tournament and the Olympics as well. Uh, boy, uh, it has been a blast of a season. We'll be back here every week with another episode of 307 Baseball. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate the Wyoming Seatbelt Coalition. Buckle up for life, Wyoming. Okay, uh, everybody has a reason to buckle up. What's yours? And uh, you just heard from Elon Olive. Before that, Matthew Peterson. I'm Cullen Holt. Big thank you to our guests, Ty Lane and Lance Harvell. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.